Welcome into another episode of the Sports Plus Rewind. I'm Corey Miller here with Mike Bush. It's been a little while since we've done one of these, so I'm excited to do this one. And with the start of a new college basketball season this week, our subject today, legendary UCLA basketball coach John Wooden, who Mike had on the Sports Plus couch in 1995, 664 all-time wins, four perfect seasons, 10 championships in a 12-year span, just one of the most legendary sports figures of all time, and he's sitting right there with you on the Sports Plus couch. It just looks weird. It, I tell you, it's crazy. It it, it it was a huge thrill. I have to say, even looking back now, I've been so fortunate in my careers, in my career to interview presidents and senators and mayors and sports heroes. But sitting down with John Wooden and getting the chance to spend a little time with him, both on and off camera, is still one of the big thrills of my my career. Do you remember how you got him here? What led up to him being on Sports Plus at, at all? I believe he was in town for some reason. I couldn't tell you what. And that, that's and, revealed in the interview. It was for the McDonald's All American Game okay. in 1995. Well, there you go. Um, I, I and usually back then, you know, our goal was to have you know, the biggest names in sports on the Sports Plus couch. Anybody could interview these folks, you know, at the at the game or uh, over at Bush Stadium or wherever they might be. But I, I always thought that if you could get them on the couch, you put them in an environment uh, where it's just a little bit more special and it raises – it's a little more gravitas to the show. Yeah. And to have John Wooden on the Sports Plus couch was a really <laughs> big deal for me. Well, here we go. We'll listen to it here, and then uh, we'll come back afterwards and talk about it a little bit. This is Mike Bush with John Wooden on the Sports Plus couch in 1995. And joining me now on Sports Plus is the Wizard of Westwood, the legendary John Wooden. Is it tough being in St. Louis with the team you love, UCLA, there in Seattle? Well, I've been involved with this McDonald's High School All-American game ever since I retired, and I'd hate to miss it after being... Uh, involved with it since its existence. I think, and we were talking about this off camera, I think probably one of the toughest jobs in sports is going in to coach basketball at UCLA because of the legacy you set. And you don't necessarily agree with that, right? No, I don't. I think it was very difficult for Gene Bartow following, uh, uh, the, after I immediately retired, the, the two years, and then Gary Cunningham following him because of the fact that's still close in, in memory and most of the players that they had, I had recruited and were there, so there were high expectations. But gee, they won 85, 86% of the games. They won the conference every year. You had to win the conference to get in the tournament. It's not like But your today. teams in 12 years won 10 championships. Well, that is true, but, <laughs> but still, they had fine teams. And, and when people think that the UCLA program has been down, how many other schools have been in the Final Four three times in the last 20? UCLA has. I, and I would, I haven't looked it up, but I would dare say, venture to say that UCLA's winning percentage in the last 20 years would rate in the top 10 at least and maybe lower than that in the country. So you don't think the media or even the alumni would be extra hard on a guy like Jim Herrick expecting championship seasons like you brought to UCLA? Not like they had the expectations for, for Gene Bartow and Gary Cunningham. No, not to that extent at all. You still observe college basketball, and how would you say the coaching profession has changed since you left the game? Has it changed at all? You know, television has changed it a lot. Uh, I think we have uh, a lot of coaches like players and have become actors, and, uh, 
and they're in, <laughs> involved in so many other things. I was just uh, speaking uh, with a friend a little earlier that uh, sometimes they have so many business things going for them now that they, uh, their, their outside income far exceeds their coaching anymore, and that's taken a, a certain amount away from the coaching, I think. The, the thing that is amazing about your career and your success in college was that in your mind, even though you had all that success, winning was not everything. It was not the only thing, was it? No, and I don't think it is. I think winning is a byproduct of many other things. Uh, I never mentioned winning. I don't believe you can find a player who played for me that would tell you I mentioned winning. My idea was always to try to improve yourself and come close to your own particular level of competency. Don't worry about the other fellow. If you're good enough, that'll take care of itself. And if you're not, well, that's the way it should be. There are stories, and, and I don't know if they're true, that you really didn't scout the other teams because all you were concerned about was your own team. Is that right? Not quite true. I probably scouted less than anyone that I knew in the coaching profession in my particular years. But I did want to know something about them. But if I knew something about the coach, I didn't need to go scout the team. I, I know how Hank Iba was going to play. I knew how various coaches, I knew their style. I knew that whether they used zones or whether they... Uh, that what their strengths and weaknesses were, and I don't have to go see them play. So what would your pregame talks be like? What would you say to Bill Walton and the guys before they went out in a championship game? I'd say, I've done my work now. It's up for you fellas to do yours. I felt practices were teaching. Games were the test of how well you're taught, and I wanted them to feel that way. I hope that they've prepared themselves, not just at practices, but between practices, which is very important. And uh, that would be my... Uh, general idea that I would tell them and uh, I just hope that when the game is over you can look in that mirror and well I did the best I could. You, you had a philosophy, a pyramid of success. Talk about that a little bit. Well I think it's a result of what my father tried to teach me and my three, three brothers when we were growing up on a small farm in southern Indiana. Uh, briefly, don't try to be better than someone else but never cease to try to be the best you can be. That you have control over. You have control of the efforts you make. You don't have control over how good somebody else is going to be. And if you get too concerned and involved and obsessed with things over which you have no control, it will definitely uh, adversely affect the things over which you have control. And from that, uh, plus a, a little verse that I read about the same time, it said that at God's footstool to confess, a poor soul knelt and bowed his head. I failed, he cried. The master said, thou didst thy best. That is success. Those two things, I think, more than anything else, brought about my own definition of success, which I coined in 1934. Success is peace of mind, which is the result of self-satisfaction, knowing you made the effort to become the best of what you're capable. You know, there's such a contrast between what you've just talked about and what we see sometimes in, in coaching today, at all levels, but even on the college level, in college basketball, I mean, everybody has their own philosophies, Bobby Knight, Rick Pitino, other coaches who have also been successful. Is there anything that you see in coaching today that you don't like, that you look at and you go, it shouldn't be that way? Well, I'm a little concerned about the permissiveness I see about taunting, and I think that's the coach's responsibility to eliminate that. Now, the roughness of play, uh, I think that they're permitting it to become too physical, but that's come down from the pros, and I think that's uh, a very natural. And the showmanship. I don't like the showmanship. Uh, if I want to 
the showmanship, I'll go see the Globetrotters, and that's what I go for. But when I go see a, a game, I, I don't go to see wrestling. I go to see basketball. I don't go to see... Tra How many steps can you travel, say, in the NBA to make a dunk? A lot. Well, <laughs> I would say that the stars are a lot. They're, they're allowed... I'd say the stars are allowed uh, oh, all they want. Now, the rookies, they're allowed only twice as much as you're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you had so many great players over the oh, years. Yes, Luel Cinder, uh, now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course, Bill Walton, so many other players. What was your philosophy about recruiting? How did all those great players wind up at UCLA? You know, I never initi initiated contact with any player outside of Southern California. Now, you could do that there because the abundance of talent, the population there in Southern California. That wasn't true when I first went out there because basketball was way down the totem pole. But it became, after the Lakers came and people got more interested in basketball, then there was a wealth of talent and is to this day. And my idea is if I can get two outstanding players from, from the greater Los Angeles area or Southern California each year, and from, I, I would probably uh, settle on maybe a half a dozen and hope I'd get two of them. Well, now, if you get two each year, you're going to have some pretty good ones, and that means you're going to be pretty good, and that will attract attention from others from the outside, and they'll come to you. You don't have to go after them. They will initiate contact, and that was my uh, idea and what I uh, tried to do, and I'm always looking for team players, and I'm always looking for quickness. I hoped my forwards would be quicker than other forwards. I hoped my post would be quicker than other postmen. I hoped my guards would be quicker than other guards. I'm looking for quickness under control and players that uh, aren't so involved in statistics as much as they would be in the success of the team as a whole. Was Bill Walton the toughest player you ever had to work with? I mean, there's a story. Oh. and you, you can tell me if this is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, a great player, obviously. Uh, that he once asked you if he could smoke marijuana because his, his knees hurt. Is, is that a true story? Well, he talked to me and came to me and said he'd, he'd heard that some doctors had said that that would help, that he had problems with his knees and that would help. And what did I think about it? And I said, Bill, I'm no doctor. I have no idea. But I do know one thing, Bill. It's against the law. That's all we need to know. No need to talk about it anymore. And there was no problem. Bill was a wonderful person with whom to work. Now, there's no point in being uh, disagreeable just because you disagree. Now, he came to me one time his senior year and said he had decided he wasn't going to shave. And I said, Bill, do you believe in this very strongly? And he said, yes. I said, I have great respect and admiration for people who stand up for the things in which they believe, Bill. I stand up for what I believe, and we're going to miss you. <laughs> and he, he, he said, well, when I get out of here, I'm not going to shave or get a haircut. And I said, Bill, I have no control over that. When you get out of here, are no control now. All I have control of is who plays. <laughs> and when I no longer have that, they'll, they'll have another coach. Uh -huh. And he's not mad. He's disappointed. But he would, I lost all respect from, and I know that. Kids test you. And, and you've got to be honest and fair with them, but know they're going to test you. And don't be upset because they test you. And when they do something wrong, don't say the next day, don't say, you better not do that again. I believe in correcting them when they do things. And, and then don't keep harping on it after that. You remain close to a lot of your former players, don't you? Very close. I, I know where almost all my lettermen in the 27 years that I was there are, and I know a lot about them. And uh, Bill Walton, for example, was a wonderful person to practice, worked hard. Uh, between practices in that anti-establishment era, 
I didn't know whether he was going to be in jail for picketing, taking <laughs> over the administration building, or stopping traffic on Wilshire Boulevard. But he was always on time. He worked hard. He's very unselfish and just a tremendous person as far as his basketball was concerned. The, my worries were between practices, not as far as academic. He's a very bright, very bright uh, an, an honor student and always uh, did well there, just as uh, Louis Alcindor, Kareem Jabbar, outstanding student, never a problem. I never had to worry about him either on or off the floor. Uh, but wonderful players with whom to work. And there is some great talent in town this weekend for, for this McDonald's mm -hmm. All-American game. Are you amazed year after year how this talent keeps churning out? <laughs> Somewhat, I know. We often talk about it. Uh, Morgan Wooten is a dear friend of mine, and we often talk about each year, well, this is the best. And then the next year you say, well, this is the best. There won't be another one like this. But occasionally there will be one or two extremely outstanding players, of course. But uh, the group as a whole, each year, seems to be a little better than the group as a whole the year before. Yeah. And I think they are getting better all the time. As you look back on your tremendous career, so many great memories, 10 NCAA championships, great relationships with the players. Is there any one thing that stands out, any one great memory that stands out in your mind as, as being the tops? Well, my greatest satisfaction is that practically every player I had graduated. Practically every one of them, and practically all of them, have done well in whatever profession they chose. I am, uh, people don't know that uh, of my lettermen, of my 168 lettermen in my 27 years there, over 30 became attorneys. They don't know that six became ministers. They don't know that there were several doctors and dentists, a lot of teachers. And, and, but most of my players majored in business in one form or another. And, and I'm just, it pleases me that they have done well in whatever their profession. I like the philosophy of, of Amos Alonzo Stagg, who once said that you couldn't tell whether you're successful with players until 20 years after they've graduated and gone, then you'd know whether or not you'd been successful with them. I think that's a great philosophy. There is a poem that Coach Wooden often recites, and I may be paraphrasing here, but he says, why is it that I teach? Where else would I find such splendid company? Is that pretty much how it goes for you? Yes, it is. I, I, I believe that. Uh, it's, uh, I was honored not too long ago by the uh, American Teachers Group, uh, Disney, honored some, and I quoted that poem, which I picked up out of the NEA Journal in, in the middle 1930s, a long time ago, long before your time. Well, <laughs> it has been splendid to be in your company, Coach Wooden. Thank you very much for this short time. You're very kind. I enjoyed it. That's Coach John Wooden, and we'll be right back. All right, so that was Mike with John Wooden on the Sports Plus couch. I think he actually was a philosopher who was just moonlighting as a basketball coach. I mean, everything he says, you go, and I remember, you know, when that interview was over, just being so excited that I got to sit there, and he's so genuine, and, and you know none of this is, is a farce. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's all John Wooden. One of the things he did, I was talking to him off camera about my oldest son at the time, who was uh, a bit of an athlete, and he had these cards, these business cards that people hand out, but his was the pyramid of success. Yeah. And so I brought that home and, and, and gave it to my son, and um, I kept one for myself yeah. and, and cherished it. That's pretty cool. Because John Wooden gave it to me. He was just full of quote after quote after quote after quote. Uh, don't try to be better than someone else, but never cease trying to be the best you can be. 
that might be my favorite one in there. Uh, that was part of his pyramid of success, I guess, was when you guys were talking about that. Right. Uh, just how winning wasn't everything, and he didn't me- even mention winning to his players uh, when Which they were there. Which is really unbelievable, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Especially now. Success is peace of mind, which is the result of self-satisfaction, knowing you made the effort to be the best that you're capable. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, He was concerned about the taunting and showmanship that was starting to... Can you imagine what he would think of the game today? I can't. I mean, that was 1995 (laughs) when we talked to him. Uh, I can't imagine. uh, If he wanted to go see that, he'd go see the Globetrotters. And, and, And when he was talking about recruiting... He said, they'll come to you. Yeah. Can, can, can you imagine the great coaches of today and how hard they have to recruit yeah. and trying to get those five-star players to come to your, your university? And and he had people like Walton and, yep. and Jabbar and, you know, so many others. I mean, honestly, it's he, he was just amazing. His, uh, his Bill Walton stuff was probably yeah. my favorite. Well, there. I remember that. He was telling that story. And Bill Walton didn't want to shave, and and Bill and John Wooden says, "I have great respect, Bill, for people who stand up for their beliefs, and I stand up for mine, and we're gonna miss you." <laughs> that was great. That's just fantastic. I can't imagine just a a larger just like clash of of personalities than those two. Yeah, that had to have been interesting. But them you heard together. him say that you know he only worried about him off yeah. the court because on was... the court he he wasn't late for practice. He worked very hard. I didn't know if he was going to end up in jail for picketing, but, you know, when right. he was <laughs> uh, yeah. asked if uh, Bill Walton asked if he could smoke marijuana because his knees hurt and Wooden told him, well, I'm not a doctor, but I know it's illegal. And yeah, that's so pretty that's much the that. end of this, discu- end of this discussion. <laughs> um, it, just his love for his players, another thing that kind of sh- shone through. And he just he takes pride in he I know where almost all of them are at right now. I know what they're doing. I know about their lives. Right. I know where everybody's at. And of 168 lettermen, you've got over 30 lawyers, six ministers, doctors, dentists, a little bit of everything. That's what yeah. he took the most pride in. And, and I mean, this this is why, and if uh, you get a chance, you might even want to listen to this again. This is why it was so much fun just to sit down. And it's one of those things, you know, one of the things that happens when you, when you have a 40-plus year career in, in local television is that you have had the privilege of interviewing some some unbelievable people, the louvers and shakers of, for me, the sports world and, and of, of the world in general. Um, and it, I've always considered it a privilege to, to have that opportunity. Um, but when you get to sit down with somebody like him, it stays with you. It yeah. has stayed with me since 1995. Um, and I remember um, it wasn't long after this, Channel 5 was doing Billikens basketball games, and I was doing the play-by-play. And we got to do a game. The Billikens went out to UCLA and got to do a game early in the season at Pauley Pavilion where John Wooden, you know, uh, was so successful. And just being in that building because it was, you know, the house that Wooden built was such a thrill. The Billikens got killed, by the way. (laughs) But it was such a thrill to be in that building. John Wooden was 85, I believe, uh, when he did that that interview with you in 95. And he lived, He just passed away in 2010 when he was 99. So yeah. 
He got he got everything out all those years. He was in town for the McDonald's All American game in 1995, which I mean that was a star studded game. I wrote down some of the names here: Vince Carter, who's still playing basketball. Yeah. This is his last year. Uh, he's with the Hawks. Stephon Marbury, who was big for a little bit. Chauncey Billups, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ryan Robertson, local kid who went to Kansas and, and got just mercilessly. I mean, a lot of these guys are are long gone. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they were they were all fantastic. I mean, they were all NBA players. That was a star-studded game. Yeah. Uh, he was in town for. Uh, anything else you want to say about well, John Wooden? I, I, no. I mean, I just it, it it even listening back now, um, and it's been a while since I since I've listened to that. It is a it is a big thrill, and if you're listening at home somewhere or in your car or wherever you listen to these podcasts, it might be a good idea to have your 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 kids, if they're of age, uh, to listen to John Wooden because I think his philosophies are, are pretty fantastic. You got some good old video in there too. We're gonna have a web story on this, so I'll I'll link link the actual video interview so you guys can watch that too because it is pretty cool. I will say also. Jerome Bettis jersey hanging up 1995 behind you on the Sports Plus couch. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Sports Plus Rewind. Uh, we're going to try and do these. We took a, a little bit of a break there because the Cardinals went on a, we had a lot of stuff. We had a lot of stuff going on. We'll try and do these more regularly. Make sure you download, subscribe, subscribe, and rate and review us as well. Thanks for listening.